0: the general tone of this conversation. I need to listen to more episodes. I think that doesn't get nearly enough attention. So you guys are doing a service with this type of podcast. All right, how's it going today, Scott?
1: This This is going to be a good one. The guest today is someone that we connected with, oh man, like almost a year ago now, probably even a little bit longer, but this is Adam out front, right? Talking with a bunch of people and this was one and there haven't been many, but this is one where... Adam hung up with Alex and came back to me and said, we've got to get back on the phone with this guy. You need you need time with this guy. And it, it was spot on. Our connection with Alex has been hugely valuable. And it, it you, it's been a lesson in business, right? Because both of us really went about this, making sure that we were right for each other. And I think we spent a lot of time doing that. So it was something that we looked at and said, man, there's huge value here. But then we both took a step back and paused. And and figured each other out, right? Us going to Branson, and then uh, the Branson crew coming here to see us. And, and again, it was we believe in what we have. We believe there's something great and special here, but we wanted to validate it. So I'm excited about this one. I will tell you, Alex is one of the guys that when he gets talking, I end up taking more notes than than talking. So I, I think this one is going to have a lot of good information. And 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 really, Alex brings the broadest perspective. I think we've had on the podcast from our industry. So Alex runs the whole uh, gamut. So Alex is got some timeshare stuff. He's got some travel club stuff. He's got some traditional VRM stuff. He's in, he's got a hotel, right? He's got the full kind of experience. And I think he's been masterful about how he brings them together and how he looks at the tools and, and really leverages all the tools in the industry. He's going to have a lot to say. He's going to have a ton to really bring to the table and and this is probably the most I'm gonna end up talking. Once him and Adam get going, they just roll. No. I'll
0: I'll make sure to come back here, right Scott. And also I think the first time that you've been out bearded on the show, I think it's for the true. listener who can't yes. see yeah. Alex's beard is magnificent. But <laughs> Adam would love to hear first of all, how are you doing today? What's going on? Sports update if you can give it and then how do we originally connect with Alex back here on the tan side as well?
2: Yes, for sure. It? We'll we'll definitely start with the sports update. I got a couple of quick things, but I will say we've got four beards on the call here, which is always a good thing. Uh so quick sports update one, Conrad, we are going to have that Bledsoe-Brady moment this weekend. I'm waiting to determine who's going to be the starter, if my nephew's going to get the starter, or if the, the preceding quarterback who's been injured is coming back. So we will see. Now, on, on my side of things, uh, we will be tested on the, the club soccer team. Next weekend will be our first tournament. So we will see if I've been able to craft this team the way I think I have, but I, I think we're in a really good spot. But really, the update I'll give is on the middle school soccer side. Fantastic. First, the beginning of the season, I think we're got to be, I don't know, 8-0 and or something, averaging a, a goal and an assist. But the the point I'll make about it, and this ties me back to Alex, is I love that we've got a second soccer team, right? I get to coach the club team, which is year-round, and then they've got this middle school soccer team. The middle school soccer team is coached by two of, of the best coaches that are on the Outer Banks One was a former high school coach that won a a state championship, sent his son to App State and played D1. So clearly, and the other one is someone who played soccer in college as well. So clearly good coaches. But the value for me is my team now gets not only my background and my coaching style, but they also get coaching from a different source, two different sources, different outlook, different perspective, different training. So when I circled this back to Alex, that's really the benefit that we've had from the beginning with Alex is we get this outside perspective that Scott and I don't have, and it's coming at it from a number of different directions. So to Scott's point, Alex has the most broad perspective of this industry that I've encountered in the 15 plus years that I've been involved. And the reason that I immediately went back to Scott and said, hey, we've got to talk with this guy further, is because Alex understood everything I was saying from the moment that I started talking about it. There was no introduction. It was, hey, yeah, I know all about that. And we connected through, I think, a mastermind from Venturi, which was great. And, and thanks to Brooke for the intro. But as soon as we started talking, and I started to explain what we did. Alex immediately said, oh, yeah, Travel Club. I know, Tan. That's why I wanted to talk with you guys. And he started to go down the path of the Travel Club side and the timeshare side and all the things he's doing there. And then it looped back to experiences and ticket sales. And then we got into vacation rentals and then we got into hotels and we started to tie all of the pieces together into what this industry is becoming. And I don't think anyone else sees all these pieces. I think Alex is seeing around corners that other people haven't, don't even know that those corners exist yet. And that's the vision that Scott and I have been trying to put together, but to have someone on the outside who also shares that vision without us having to say, hey, this is the vision that we're bringing, but he brings the same vision, but also comes at it from a different perspective with a different background, with a different team, with a different set of tools. And then we can tie this together with Tan because Alex is becoming a a close partner with us on the sales side. There's just so many details that we start to uncover of the value of this relationship. So super excited to have Alex here and to start to explain what his vision of the vacation rental industry is. And when I say that, it's almost needs air quotes because- His vision of the vacation rental industry is actually much bigger. It's much broader. It's a hospitality vision, which I think is where this overall industry is going.
0: Mm -hmm. Awesome. I think that lays the groundwork really well. So Alex, welcome to the show. That was a long intro, but I'm glad to, I'm glad to go through it because I think it paints a lot of context. Alex, if you don't mind, there's two questions that I have for you. One is to give a little background about yourself, your company, how you ended up at Branson, all the kind of things you're involved with in a summary format, if you could. But before you do that, could you also share a song that best describes you as well? So we can add it to our Spotify playlist.
2: Did we lose you, Alex?
0: Did we freeze? Oh boy, I was giving it a second.
3: Sure. What's that? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, first, I wanted to say thanks for having me on the the podcast here, guys. It's been wonderful. Ever since we've met, I've felt nothing but a close connection and a kindred spirit from the way we do business, the way we think about business and the basic philosophical bents, I think, of all of us on this podcast right now of Align. So thanks for having me on. So from a song perspective, because I know this is the thing everybody likes to do here. I actually wanted to pick a band and there's a very interesting reason behind it. So it's CR, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Okay. And they had four albums in two years, seven albums in four years, actually, if we're counting. And they had not one number one hit, but nine top tens, all written by one guy who played every instrument who produced the records, who did everything, scheduled, touring, all of it. And so what I like about it and why it's euphemistic for me is because it says the incredible things that one person or a small group of people can do with massive concentrated effort over a very short period of time.
2: I love that. And I think that explains what I've seen from Alex and his team very well.
1: And I appreciate it because... Adam has been outdone. Adam comes with his two songs, right? And he tried, and then Alex just dunks on him and and (laughs) drops the, it's an entire band. Yeah, nice, love it.
0: I like the message that sends. Alex, maybe you could allude to that a little bit further, why that inspires you, because as Adam and kind of Scott have, already mentioned so far, you are involved in many things. You're not, you're not putting out one single you're your business, so to speak, you're putting out multiple albums. So what are those things that you're involved with at Branson? Where did it start? Maybe if you just give like a little bit of a timeline, a little context into the different things you're involved with.
3: Sure. So from Branson, grew up in Branson and I went to University of Missouri. So Mizzou and Columbia, about three and a half hours away. That was in 04 to 08. I graduated right as the great recession was happening. The Lehman Brothers was going down. Bear Stearns got liquidated, et cetera. And I was gonna be in commercial real estate. I've got a lot of family in commercial real estate. And I said, that's not gonna happen. And luckily I didn't have any assets then. Uh, It would have been hurting the downturn, but I got to watch on the sidelines as a lot of very smart people did very stupid things because of quite frankly, fear. And so I got to watch and learn from the sidelines. And I feel like for somebody to come up very quickly, you've gotta have chaos. There has to be chaos and there's got to be uncertainty and there's got to be people doing things that they otherwise wouldn't do. And I had been messing around with internet marketing a little bit. And I said, I think I'm going to get into digital real estate. So I actually bought a website for 3,250 bucks that was making 400 bucks a month. And I said, I'll goof around with this and see what happens. And so I put some AdSense on the site and that worked. And from there, I started calling the people who were serving on AdSense. And I said, just if I'm, getting a dollar or 32 cents on the dollar from Google. Why don't I charge you half price and I'll make 50% more at 50 cents a click. And so it was a little regional site, actually a dining reviews website of all things. And so very obscure, odd uh, path. But then I said, there's another website and it's a a booking site called Table Rock Resorts. And uh, I bought it for a prayer and a song. And I started intermediating uh, the Table Rock uh, Lake uh, resort market small mom and pop resorts before vacation rentals became a thing here in Branson. And so that went well and I said, okay, well, what's the next logical step and uh, so I managed a couple of units and from there I actually took a little pit stop uh, because I had some people wanting to buy some uh, leads from me and they were from uh, the vacation ownership industry uh, aka timeshare and so I did that and I said well, these guys aren't very very smart quite frankly and I said, but they've got a lot of money so this is a good combination. had Somebody who's not very smart with a lot of money. And so they didn't really want leads, they wanted package sales. So I said, that can't be that hard. And so I did it. And from there, everything just took off. And so we became the the largest marketing company for the vacation industry in Branson. And then alongside that was the largest seller of tickets. And from there, I said, what's adjacent to us? And I thought I should buy a hotel because we were selling tens of thousands of hotel rooms a year. And I didn't really like the economics of the hotel business at the point in Branson because ADRs were too low. I also, quite frankly, um, not to be loquacious about it, but I, in a dumb luck sort of way, started reverse engineering my business, uh, which is called Save on Branson, my marketing business. And it turns out the economics, the way it's set up is pretty smart. So it doesn't need cash flow to grow and it has no debt, And so, which is one of the, the main thesis of, or theories about how I set up businesses now is I like cash flow generative businesses that are highly defensible with sticky customer bases that have no debt, no need for more capital as you grow. And so I said, maybe vacation rentals is where I should go, which is what sort of a uh, going backwards in time from what I had done out of college, I was managing two or three units. And I said, I don't really think I like this all that much. But I said, I think I was onto something. Um, but from there it was like, okay, do I build from scratch or do I buy and have a jungle guide? And that's a really important thing for me to do, which is whenever I get into something, I have to define whether I'm experimenting or hammering a competency. So I thought I was going to be hammering cause it's in my backyard. And I thought I could manage that. And hospitality is an effort business, which I like, um, cause my, some of my sales businesses are more talent driven, not effort driven. And so it fit all of these, these check boxes, it worked. And so I acquired Thousand Hills uh, Golf Resort um, from a very distinguished businessman in town. Uh, he was very gracious during the transaction. It went very well. Uh, we still do a lot of business today. It happened to, of all things, come with a golf course, um, which is an odd thing for a vacation rental management company to come with. Like a lot of people who have acquired... Vacation rental companies, it's off the back of a developer. And this developer happened to also be a master developer of a community called Thousand Hills. So long and short, that's how I got into it. From there, I did a string of acquisitions and deals all in Branson once again. And then in uh, mid-2022, I said, I think that uh, this industry is about to cool off. And, uh, there hadn't been a new hotel built in Branson, Missouri, which has about eight to 10 million visitors, depending on whose numbers you like. Hadn't had a new hotel built in, almost 16 years. So the supply was old. And I said, I think, I think I've identified a, a, a large hotel that was for sale. And I think it's a good deal. And I had to walk my way up to the purchase price and, but end up taking it down. And it's a 472 room, former Radisson. So it's a large footprint, full service hotel. And we deflagged it from Radisson. And at the time it was running 36% occupancy at a ADR that wasn't worth writing home about it. We've redone that since then and we're on our way, so.
0: Yeah. A a lot of things to pull on there. I don't even know where to start to be completely (laughs) honest with you, but um, maybe we'll go vacation rentals because that's maybe the core (laughs) audience of, of the listener base. So I guess I'm curious, like the vacation rental business, how do you see that? You mentioned like the type of businesses you like, the type of businesses you don't like. I guess I'm curious, where do vacation rentals fit into that matrix for you? Maybe the management side less so than the ownership side. Is that, that's good. That's bad. That's somewhere between these other things that you were able to explore.
3: Yeah, I, I love it. I, I love the asset light model. So the way I look at it is I look at it as assets under management, the money manager would. Mm-hmm. So if I have 500 units and they're all $300,000 for easy math, that's 150 million bucks. So can you make a half a point, a point and a half, two points, two and a half points, where do you land? And so we get to babysit others people's assets. And by, by babysit, I should say steward, but it is a good business. Uh, the one thing I don't like is when there is uh competition who competes only on price instead of service. And that happens a lot in our industry. And so I do like defensibility as a basic framework of any business. So what is your, what's your moat? Why do you get to exist? So we happen to own a lot of amenities around our managed properties and we can add a lot of value because of our tickets business. So non-rental revenue, we're big enough so we can run direct traffic and have the best professionals in every seat. And so- my thought about vacation rental is if you get to scale and you can pay the best and cry once, if you can service your clients to the degree that is required today, I think you need to recruit the right client base, if you will. You can't have bad units. You can't have owners who expect X when they're going to make half of X, right? So reasonable expectations and things like that. But overall, I like it as a basic fit. I will say as a caveat, I I like To pay a backyard premium we call it for businesses in branson so i would rather go deep in one market than wide because i know my own personality and if it's not in front of me it gets forgotten and multi-market managers i think have a different take on that and there's nothing against it i like to go very deep across different businesses that can play well together and have true synergies. Not like people say there's going to be some great synergies. No, true, real, tangible synergies. And so that's what I've done. And that's my basic philosophy. Mm
0: -hmm. Scott, I guess I'll go your direction then. I guess from an operational perspective, a lot of things there that Alex touched on, which of those pieces appeal to you or which of those pieces have you learned some things from Alex just in your chalk so far operationally? A lot of things there. So I just, I think of how complex that could be.
1: Yeah, I I think, so So that was my perspective as well. And I'll take it one step backwards, Conrad. And and this kind of goes to what Alex just said is we had property in Branson for years. We had, we were up at 12 units at one point. We had scaled it back to four and we had really treated Branson as this a side market. On the tan side, we moved most of our inventory there on excess inventory, right? So it was just this kind of nice to have, but, oh, it's fading. And and I can tell you, as I was pulling into Branson, when Adam and I went there, I was like, well, wait a minute, what have we been missing? Because this isn't the dying Branson, the story that we've told ourselves. And then got to spend some time with Alex, and, and we drove all the way through Branson. I, d- I don't think we left much untapped. And it was just this incredible experience. And, and I really think, Conrad, from my perspective, it was the value of of what Alex built, right? Is he does go deep, and there's the depth of his operation, but there's also the passion behind it, right? And he does right, he doesn't use this whole synergy thing as a passing quote in a book, right? Or it, it is everything ties together. And I think I've watched him be quick to say, ah, that doesn't really fit. And he's pretty quick to to push it off to the side. He's got the models woven together extremely well, and and you can even I can tell you as we were walking and just talking about TAN and how we value TAN, from that conversation we had and it was about four hours riding together, we came home with about five different to-dos of how you take TAN and plug it in even further in his operation and how he leverages it back. My learnings from Alex operationally have really been, and Alex just said it and I think it's the perfect thing, is are there really true synergies? Right? We all talk about synergies, but... He has found true synergies and he's also quick to to push them off to the side when it's a fake synergy. And, and I think his operation shows that even from our folks and Conrad, you've talked to, to Kendra And she now she knows when this person calls, they're calling about this. When this person calls, they're calling about this. And even moving through the organization. And again, we're doing a lot of business together. It's very methodical. When this person calls, that this is a topic, and this is what you're working on, and and like Kendra is able to move through and and really manage our side of the relationship very well. So, synergies and really having real synergies, I think, is is the biggest component.
0: Adam, I'm curious your perspective then, I guess, too, a little bit. Again, what Alex said, a lot of different paths to go down there, but it seems like most vacation rental managers that I talk to, I don't want to say they struggle, but it takes all of their attention and focus maybe to do vacation rental management. What's your perspective on kind of Alex's approach, which is, as he said, going a mile deep, not a mile wide and trying to do all these different markets, but rather one market and go very deep into it. What's your point of on that?
2: So I would clarify him going deep is just in the sense of one market. What he just described is way wider than any vacation rental manager that any of us know on this call. What he just described and how he's interwoven these models is different than anyone is doing today, but I think that it's the way of the future. So this is something we talk about all the time. It's something that I'm going to keep talking about over the next few months. I'm writing a couple articles about it. I think that things are changing and I think they're changing significantly And I think that these new models are going to become more and more important. I think that the changes that are coming, whether it's technology changes, economic changes, uh, expectations on homeowners, guests, whatever the changes are, I think they're all coming together at the same time. And I think that there are going to be pressures on a lot of different industries. All of the different models that Alex just mentioned, they come together synergistically for a reason, because they all build off each other And the effort that Alex puts into the various Uh, different models come together for one larger model. I think that now is the time to do that because there is economic pressure on all of the various models. It's now time to think about how do we bring them together so that, one, we can save the models, because I do think there are models that are at risk. When you go through some of these changes and the chaos that Alex mentioned, I agree with that. I think you take advantage of chaos while it's here people make money when there's chaos because you find a way to bring these pieces together. And what Alex is doing is bringing a lot of various pieces that I think have challenges in front of them, technology challenges, economic challenges, process challenges, systems challenges, underlying foundational challenges. I think all of that is coming to a head at one time. So I think what Alex is talking about going deep in one market is fantastic, but I think the breadth that he goes across all of the different models is something that this industry hasn't seen. And I think that now is the time for us to do that. And to see the way that Alex pulls this together is really impressive. And that's why we wanted to go deep with Alex. And we haven't even talked about that other side of what he's talking about, which is ancillary services, ancillary revenue streams, experiences. So Alex... Is also part of the Tripster team, which is an experience uh, company that we've just partnered with on the TAN side that we'll actually have a discussion with their founder next week, where you start to think about how do we bring experiences into the fold? Because that is how you the next level in hospitality is to start to have packages and experiences. But the other component of that is revenue-based and that's we need ancillary revenue streams to come in. The only way this business works is if we continue to add revenue streams. So to go back to your question, Conrad, This industry is built on vacation rental managers that, to your point, have a hard time focusing on that one industry. In fact, I would argue that the hosts, the 2019-ers that we've been talking about, and really probably a lot of the managers that have been around for a long time, are trying to figure out how can they do it easier and easier, whereas Alex is saying, now is the time to do the hard work so that it's easier later. And I forget what the exact quote is. What is it like? tough decisions lead to easy life, easy life leads to tough decisions. So whatever that quote is, and and you guys can probably correct it. But the the point is that you have to do the work now. And we're at a point in time with all of these variables coming together where now is the time to do that work. And those managers that can't figure out how to build that vacation rental business, they're going to fade away. There's The expectation level is increasing. We've got a flight to quality and the people who can't do this well are going to fade away. And I do think... And I've been talking about this more and more. I think the division in this industry is between professional vacation rental managers and hosts. And I think that is a division of labor. I think that people wanna give away their labor. They wanna make life easier rather than making it harder. And I think now's the time that we need to make it harder.
0: Alex, I guess I'm, this is just more of an intellectual curiosity thing for me, is it that you get all these kind of vertically related businesses because, hey, like, why refer out the business when I could make more money? Is it just like a profit driven motivation? Or is it like, I was actually referring company, people out to this tourism and experiences thing, and they were dropping the ball, like they weren't doing a good job. So by me controlling the stack, I have more control over the whole process that someone has when they vacation in Branson. I guess I'm curious, I guess if it's more like guest experience motivation, or it's more just, like, Hey, this is additional revenue that I can grab or additional businesses that I can earn money from basically.
3: Sure. It started rather in a rather nascent way. And uh, I actually had a, a, a building and I was, there was a nail salon going to go in next door. This is a very specific answer to a very uh, interesting question. But so I I couldn't lose all my parking to this nail salon. So I told the landlord, I said, hell, I'll I'll just lease it myself. And uh, then I said, what am I going to do with this place? And I decided that uh, an old time photos would do well, like the saloon photos where you dress up.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So
3: I just found a guy who he actually had just shut down a shop and I built it out. And now I've got two, one of which I believe may be the world's largest old time photos. And that's an awesome experience that I can gift for free to all of our guests to differentiate. And then we make money on upselling and cross selling when they buy multiple pictures or mats or glass or frames. So that's my old time photos. One was I've got a winery. I bought a building and I thought it would be perfect for a winery. And I was at a, 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 Function an awards banquet, and I sat next to the founder of uh, one of the largest wineries east of the Rockies, which is called St. James Winery, and uh, we got to talking, and and it was again just serendipity. I said I've always wanted to do that; I thought thought it'd be really cool, and uh, we put together a deal in two weeks. As far as on the attraction and show tickets front, uh, that was uh, reverse engineered because I started that first, so we actually run a we call it NRR non rental revenue, so it is a clear it is not the primary goal of what our vacation rental business is, but is a it is a clear secondary measure and a clear driver of profits. Okay, so we know on every arrival, right? So we know at booking, we know pre-arrival, at check-in, post-check-in, and post-departure, four or five touch points. Exactly how much money on average we're going to have, in, or you know how much revenue uh, per touch point we're going to have. And I don't believe if i'm not sure so the person who can spend the most money on marketing almost always wins okay and if you can spend the most money on marketing because you have ancillary revenue streams do you really have a choice to have ancillary revenue streams i believe the answer is no conrad you do a lot of seo google is going away from seo by burying the seo in the serps to a large degree not altogether, but it is much harder today and you might disagree with this, but it's much harder today because they've got 10 ads on top of you and all around you instead of 20 years ago where there was almost no ads. Maybe there was one or two that top, the top block or maybe on the side. And so actually we're leaning into SEO heavily as well. And so I believe in it. Don't get me wrong. but if the vast majority of clicks come to paid search i've got to be able to pay the most unfortunately i don't love that fact but i do and then when i get somebody they've got to have the best experience but we also have to be able to monetize that guest to be able to pay the most per click and we do that through non-rental revenue and so it is a absolute necessity i as an internet marketer by trade just it's fundamental. That's what we've got to have. So let's even say on our website, it's a tripwire. Hey, before you leave, claim your two free tickets, absolutely free, no strings attached, right? You get a name and email address. Okay. now we've got a dialogue with a customer and we can introduce them to Ozarks Hospitality and we can uh, put them out email sequences or marketing automations. And now we've got them in our world, in our funnel. And at least in our market, people who come to Branson come back to Branson. We've got an 80 plus percent repeat market. So capturing that person and then having them as part of your ecosystem is hugely important, whether it's SEO or paid search or uh, any of those things. And so to get back to home base here, I think that's where the non-rental revenue, all the ancillary things, used to be seen as oh that's some cute revenue. I'm here to tell you it's major revenue if it's done correctly. And every market's different. There are different characteristics and margin profiles for certain products or add-on in in markets, but. I would just say that it's not really optional in my purview.
0: No, that's a good frame. The I'll, I'll touch on the SEO PPC thing really quickly, and then I'll go back <laughs> your direction, Adam. Um, I feel like I have to, which is that we do a lot of PPC work too. And you're right. When I first started in the industry, it would have been like 2012, 2013. When I first started like studying this and trying to understand it. It was not in the vacational industries with my father-in-law's business. He does uh, fishing charters. So we were trying to figure out how can we figure out the best way to get traffic, et cetera. And that's when I first learned about SEO. And then of course, at one point we got to ranking number one and I thought I won. And then I realized we're still losing. Even back then, 20, 25% of the traffic was going to the paid results. So on days that he wasn't booked, it seemed like the obvious play, right? Why not also run ads so that we can get more additional traffic there? And that began the PPC path as well. But occasionally I have clients bring that up to your point, Alex, of like, if I rank number one or number two, and I've done a good job on SEO, why bother in paid search? And the answer is nowadays, it's more like 30, 40% of the clicks are probably going off to paid search. And you might love the Dan Kennedy quote, which is similar to what you're describing, which is whoever can pay the most for a customer wins, which is similar to what you're saying from a marketing perspective, like mm-hmm. whoever can spend the most on marketing wins. But his frame is the whoever can spend the most to acquire a customer can win over time because you could just out outbid everybody else and build this unmovable, unsinkable kind of ship that can just go through the harbor. But yeah, Adam, your thoughts there on like the marketing wins that you can have there. We've talked about marketing with Amy, how there was this movement back when you and her first entered the industry some time ago about marketing. It went away for a while. People just rely on Airbnb. Maybe we can go back to Alex talk about Airbnb in a second too. But Adam, I guess your perspective on building this kind of marketing weapon that you can wield against your competition.
2: I would, and this falls right into to my background, but I would translate that into marketing and sales. I think what Alex is doing really well is actually sales. Marketing is a big component because it's getting them there, but he's got a full team that's thinking about sales. So I'll make a couple points on that. So first one I would mention around the idea of whoever spends the most, I agree with that. What I would put a caveat in there is things change and the people who can spend the most shifts over time. So what Alex is talking about and building this additional revenue and i I like the fact that he's calling it crucial revenue it's not ancillary right i think that's ultimately what the end result of this discussion is it's actually not ancillary revenue it's revenue and what alex is describing if if you think about his local competitors and then you you stretch this into the broader market you're now competing against somebody who has this additional revenue who's gonna dump that directly back into marketing so now you've just made your efforts That much harder because you haven't figured out how to bring these models together. So that's the vision that I think Alex is bringing is I think these models come together so well, that it's going to start to build gaps, uh, and potentially chasms eventually with the, uh, with the competition. I think there's a number of things that are, are doing that today right we've talked about AI doing that. And then to your the point of your question. Conrad, I think marketing is 100% part of that. And if you bring marketing and sales together and you think about the way that Alex is executing this, I don't think anyone else is executing it on this level. He's taking the online marketing and sales to a place that this industry hasn't seen. So when he talks about that online sales and how you walk through that process and how there's tripwires where you're going to get initiated to get these free tickets. And then once you get those free tickets, you're dropping into another bucket where you get these emails We don't have anyone who's thinking like this. We don't have anyone who's put these pieces together to say ticket sales are actually going to drive additional sales and repeat guests, and they're going to put them into my other buckets. These are a lot of pieces that come together. Now, take that to the next level. And not only does Alex do that online, but he does it in person. So when these people are checking in his office, and we've talked about this a number of times on this show, we're believers in Keyless. We get it. Alex uses Keyless as, as well. He's not a believer in check-in at the home for this reason. That's an opportunity for a sale. And I actually, over the years, I've been the person pushing direct to home and I had a reason to do that. There was an incentive and part of me still believes in that. But when you start to think about this additional revenue and these points of sales, there's huge opportunities for this. And part of me, and I think you've got to do this well, maybe you give them a choice between going direct to the home or, or coming to the office. But part of me actually thinks it's a better guest experience. One, because you're having that relationship with the manager that you're working with, but two, because you're getting this local knowledge. The reason that Alex is able to make these sales at the office is because he's offering local experiences. He's helping his guests understand what's available in his area, and then he's giving them free experiences to go out and do it, which in turn leads to additional revenue when they go out and do these experiences, give him a revenue cut of the experiences, buy more tickets, whatever else that is. That's a very complex system that we just talked through that I don't think this industry is starting to think about yet. So yes, part of it is marketing, part of it is sales, but I think the bigger component is having this vision of how all these pieces come together.
0: Maybe Alex, you can speak on that then. So like how you design that process, what does that check-in process look like? I go, I wanna go do a golf trip with my dad in Branson. I book one of your properties, walk me through it. Once I make that reservation, what happens between now and two months from now when I go to do it?
3: Yeah, so you would have gone through one of the vacation rental platforms, right? Either Airbnb or, or VRBO, or the vast majority of our bookings are direct. So you would have either gone on our one of our websites or you would have called us. We actually love calls because we can walk you through what our what your choices are, what the universe of Branson looks like. And We like to think of our salespeople as discovery engines because in a narrative fashion, just as if you're a family member of ours coming to stay, we can say, what's your budget? What's it look like? And even on the golf stuff, we have golf experts on staff right so do you want to go play Johnny Morris's Big Cedar Lodge courses 350 400 bucks a pop there's a Tiger Woods course out there i personally don't love the layout but there's a Core and Crenshaw course out there that's awesome and so that's just as important right because price is what you pay but value is what you get and so maybe you want a two bedroom on our golf course maybe you didn't care about staying on the golf course but you're on a golf trip maybe you didn't um realize that we had the breadth or depth of inventory that we have. Maybe you didn't realize that Table Rock Lake is incredibly beautiful in the fall and that you could get a lakefront cabin at one of our resorts. And we like to, to whenever people hang up, we like to say, the perfect experience is if you hung up and you said, my life would be different if I was as good at my job as that person on that phone call was at theirs. And so we say, Conrad, you're coming from thousands of miles away and you're going to stay for three days. Are you kidding me? We actually have this particular special in this type of a unit, right? And also for just a a couple of additional dollars, we can get you a B or C type of amenity. When you're here, you can also get free golf at all at our, at our golf course for your second or third day, or maybe you want a a second 18 holes. And so not to hear or be a non-linear communicator, but bottom line is there's many different ways you could find us. We prefer over the phone because we feel like that's the best experience. From there, you're going to get a, let's say you bought some tickets. Great. You're going to get a confirmation and you're going to get your digital tickets. From there, we'll probably do a pre-arrival call to make sure, let's say that you and your dad are coming and you book it three months out, Uh, a couple of weeks out, we're going to call you and say, Hey, we're glad you're here. We want to make sure that you understand um, not only we're going to reconfirm your arrival, make sure nothing's changed, right? Sometimes party sizes change and maybe a different unit might fit you better or maybe you want to have a longer stay or some other detail. Um, From there, we're going to verify all of the booking details, including cancellation windows, et cetera, because we talked about that on the phone at first, right? Because one of the things we can't have is we can't have our assets tied up for people who aren't serious about coming on vacation. We'd hate to keep anybody's money when they cancel. The problem is that our job is resource stewardship on behalf of our owners and we can't allow cancellations out that and i I think every vrm deals with this you hate to have people not happy about that but you have to be just as clear as you can be because you represent the owner as much as you represent the guest so from there you're going to get a series of, of drip emails and then we'll probably call you do the confirmation And let's say that you're going to watch a live show we say conrad look we know that you don't quite know uh, what you want to do yet but on the stuff you do know can we go ahead and get those booked because about 80 percent of the tickets um, that are sold to branson are sold within three days of arrival so if you wait to get here you're going to be in the nosebleeds you're not going to get a good seat and it might even be sold out so if you want to go to dolly stampede you might not get the show you want you might not get the seats you want so we feel like selling from service is a value add for our guest because they might have ruined their vacation if we're not aggressive in making sure that they understand what their options are. And that's a delineator that most people don't like sales. I like sales because if we're selling by education, I think most people really appreciate it. Conrad, you probably wouldn't have known that this is going to sell out or you're not going to get to see this thing that you wanted to do. Because maybe you hadn't even thought about it. And so that's a sequence. And then when you check in, we give you a map, we give you local directions, we give you a coupon book with all of the the guaranteed best coupons in town to everywhere else. Might not sound like a big deal, but our, our market is pretty price sensitive. And so our average person saves a couple of bucks to a couple of hundred bucks, depending on which coupons they're using. They're going to uh, like I said, get expert. Uh, knowledge we live work and play in Branson and uh, so we're going to highlight a map and tell them the traffic relief routes because the main strip in Branson can be pretty busy and all of that type of stuff tell them a little bit about the home that they're in remind them of the policies because again we're good stewards of our homes so there's no smoking no pets no parties no things like that Um, and then uh, uh, we use uh, Breezeway as our property communication tool uh, as well as our backup house tool uh, for comms. So we have automated uh, messages that come through Breezeway and those are time sensitive offers. So call us before noon on the the next morning after your stay and get X. So again, we're promotional. Maybe it's a pizza at one of our restaurants. Maybe it's a old time photo or some other attraction that we have.
1: And from there, that's the order of the day. I I like
3: to... Go ahead, Sorry. Scott.
1: Sorry, Conrad. I'm going to let you go, but but I oh, I want to say one thing clear is none of this is make believe. None of this is theory. This is legitimately what this operation looks like. Right? You, we would sit back and go, "Oh, this is someday over the rainbow." That this, this is what it's like. I mean, he didn't leave out a single piece. This is the actual experience.
2: And but I want to jump on that, Scott, because. The reason that Alex did this is because it's what he knew when he grew up. He knew it by coming up into the business through ticket sales and seeing how sales is done and then seeing how timeshare is done. And this is where all of this comes together. When you start thinking about the vacation club side of things and when you start thinking about the timeshare side of things, they're really good at some of those things. And one of those things is sales. The vacation rental uh, business is is not good at sales. And let me go on. Just a a quick soapbox on sales because I I do think it's worthwhile and Alex mentioned it. I think people have, for whatever reason, a a bad taste in their mouth about sales sometimes. And and I want to say that from my perspective, and this is someone who's been in sales for 20 plus years, I think sales is the most important part of any industry because they are the glue that holds everything together. Now. The There is bad sales, and I think that's why everyone has that bad taste in their mouth. If someone who's trying to take advantage of a situation, they're trying to sell you something that you don't need or they, that you don't necessarily want, and that is the bad side of sales. That can happen. There are people who can figure out how to sell you something. But the good side of sales are the people who are in the industry talking to everyone else in the industry. They're talking to vendors. They're talking to your competitors. They're talking to you. They're the consultants who can say, actually, you need to talk to this person or you need this. You need to tie these things together. So to Alex's point, the people on sales for him that are talking to the guests, they're helping them have an amazing guest experience. And we talk about this all the time from an unreasonable hospitality perspective. One, that's where our relationship is built. And sales is not hard. Sales is talking to someone like you care about who they are and trying to build a little little bit of a relationship and believing in the thing that you're selling. So if we believe in the vacations that we're selling and we're willing to spend five minutes on the phone with somebody, anybody can sell. And when you do that, all you're doing is getting lower than that surface level And that's where unreasonable hospitality comes in. You start to learn about them and figure out what is the special thing that I can do for them. But sometimes, to Alex's point, the special thing that you can do for them is just explaining what their options are and the best thing based on what you've told me, this is what I would suggest you do, because I know, because I'm local and I have these relationships. Now, the benefit for us on our side, yes, great experience, hopefully come back. But we should have developed the business models and the relationships where we have some reciprocal revenue as a result of the sale that we just did. There's a full process that comes together through sales. And I think that people have the wrong taste in their mouth about that. This is a huge opportunity if we do this the right way.
0: Yeah, and I think what you were describing a minute ago, Alex, was very much that. That approach of here's your various options we want to help you etc and like you said earlier you're a high repeat booking rate market so if people were not getting value or they weren't happy with the the process that they were going through then they wouldn't come back and book with you again and we haven't talked about this but I suspect you have a pretty high repeat booking rate. I was gonna ask you Scott how so how much did you end up spending when you went through this process with Alex's team when they were asking you all those questions.
1: <laughs> luckily <laughs> how, how, I wasn't how good on... did he get you? <laughs> luckily I wasn't on the receiving end of having to pay but I He he, Alex walked us through, well, drove us through that exact experience, right? He is a huge believer in drawing out a full itinerary, right? And, And that's one of the things that we talked about is have the itinerary planned. And he took us through and said, okay, here's where you can spend money, right? Check, check. And on the days where it's time to not spend money, here's 10 really cool things to do, right? Here's a place where... You can fish, and as soon as that line hits the water, you're catching a fish. And just walked us through like this step by step. So it was. I was lucky enough to not have to spend money. But I'll tell you, to to his his own point and his own credit, the one thing that I did is I came home and I looked at Angel. I was like, "We are definitely going to Branson. Like, like we we are going back." So he didn't get me that time, but it was a. The the way he opened up the market, and and I think when we talked to Stowe, and I know we're going to talk to Stowe again in the next couple of weeks, Stowe brought up the experience economy, and I think that Alex has nailed that. And and again, seeing it as that's just one function of this, because as that kind of as the waves come out from that, it's going to keep capturing people, whether it costs, whether it's free, there is value in every step of it.
0: And, and one thing that I was thinking, Alex, as you were going through that process with me, with my fictional golf trip, was it seems like you are embracing automation. You're using some of these marketing tools. The tool stack doesn't matter a ton to me, but whether it's breezeway for messaging or email marketing, maybe it's HubSpot, maybe it's MailChimp, whatever. But it sounds like you have a lot of people too. And it doesn't seem like you're trying to get rid of the people in that process. In fact, it seems like you're embracing the people in the process who are doing the actual calling or who actually are chatting with people. Why do you think a lot of people are going away from that? Why are they not going towards your model and they're trying to get rid of as many people and use AI bots and things? like that and not embracing the idea of a live human voice on the other end of a phone
3: it's probably because they don't really like people in the first place or the people that they've attracted are probably not the caliber that can do the work that's needed but a lot of leaders aren't really all that worth following if you want a top flight marketing organization you better know what you're talking about because a players don't follow B leaders it's just not how the world works for me it's also a, a shared vision they have to know why you're doing what you're doing. They have to know a goal. They have to know what their role in in your organization is. And I want to be clear, for me, it's always an all-of-the-above approach. And we're still aspirational. What I, Everything I outlined, I could be as critical as I could possibly be, and you would think that I thought we were doing awful based on the scathing feedback of our own processes but then i look at our a lot of the com- competition and i go they're not even trying on this stuff and so i really think to pivot back just a second vacation rental management there's not all that much vacation going on you're just renting a house it's called property management so i feel like we do vacation rental management we actually sell vacations and i'd like to point something out that i i don't know if it's contentious or not but i think it's almost self-evident is that if you are an Airbnb host that does one night one night stays in a particular locale, you're not a vacation rental manager, you're a short-term rental manager. So I think that there's a bifurcation there, number one. But then number two, to the extent that you are in a traditional or maybe even a burgeoning tourism market where people are really vacationing, right? So you've got a one-night escape, you have a two-night getaway, right? That's our weekend, you have a three-night getaway, Right, you have a four night. You're gone for four nights, right? So if you don't set a message um, at your work, or for most people who probably are more balanced, if you don't do that, you're not on vacation. Meaning that as a lead measure of saying, is this a vacation or is this just a short-term rental? And there's no value judgment on it. I just think those two things get conflated a lot, and uh, I think that some some clarity around that because all of our steps don't work and shouldn't be done if you're just a short-term rental manager. You can't afford paid search if you have one night stays. You need to just be on the platforms. You need to say, yep, Airbnb, it is what it is. Go on with life. We don't need a channel manager. We don't need a marketing team. We don't need all these things. Our sales needs to be completely automated, which means maybe a, a video on a listing or just really good, high-quality photographs. And not to just hammer the point too much, but I think that there's a completely different approach. When you're selling true multi-night, somebody drove five hours from their house and, or got on a plane or whatever and went on a vacation versus just a short-term rental.
0: Mm. And, and sometimes we, I don't wanna say conflate, but we just use the terms interchangeably at times. But I think what you're describing is actually like a, a way to draw a line in the sand that's a little bit more clear about the different types of markets and what they offer and stuff like that. And I'll, I'll be honest, there's times where we struggle with some of these urban markets because it's, you can't really make information about like an urban market. You can't make, information better than TripAdvisor about like Miami or about New York City or something like that. It's pretty challenging. But in Branson, like your competition level, like you, there's actual rewards for you doing that work of driving more visibility, driving more traffic. And you said it a second ago too, like knowing the average length of stay, knowing the um, average revenue that you drive per stay, et cetera, make a huge difference. And then the, just to touch on that point one more time too, you you mentioned the fact that you have a lot of repeat business. So I'm assuming over the years, like I could be wrong, but I bet if you turned off all your paid search, you couldn't run any more Google ads tomorrow. You couldn't run any Facebook, Instagram, ads tomorrow. You were just relying on people finding you organically. I bet your machine would keep running pretty well because you've got people who come back and just come to you directly now because they've stayed with you before, or they've been involved in one of your businesses before. And you don't need that like injection of new people all the time, which is what a lot of the short-term traditional short-term rental people need. It's not that people have a bad experience with them. It's just that they go one time. They don't really need to have that repeat visit business. So I think that's also like key to what you're doing and may not be feasible in other markets from what I'm hearing as well.
3: Sure. Yeah, we have a, a ton of repeat guests, and we've got repeat groups, right? So we've got group. Mm-hmm. We got a groups department that we rent 300 condos for 10 days in the first part of October or the late part of September, right? Those people who come on those groups are now our new clients. They come back because they like their stay, and and also I, I want to say also from from a uh, portfolio perspective, we've got or uh, we've got. I believe it's 20 units that have been on our program longer than 20 years. Hmm. So our, our units, are our, our average owner is on the program for a long time. And then we've got, I was looking through the data the other day, we've got a couple of people who've stayed in the hundreds of times, north of a hundred stays with us. That's a lot of vacations. And so that's a, a thing that's probably unique to our market. If you're in Bali, I don't think somebody from... Nevada flies to Bali a hundred times. It's just not what it is. It's just not going to happen and that's fine. But we like our sweet spot where people do come and take long vacations, but they also take quick getaways and we have high repeat visitorship, which makes the, the fish that was expensive to catch the first time. You sort of dollar cost average down as that customer not only does more things with you on that vacation goes to our winery or our golf plays golf with us or gets old time photos or buys tickets or some other buys merchandise, right? We have a bunch of branded merchandise that we sell that that sells really well and and provides um, great revenue. For us, let's say they have a a quick getaway. It's really hard when it takes 80 bucks to clean a condo, plus cleaning fees and platform and all this stuff. We'll just, uh, to the extent that our marketing is tilted this way, we just have them stay at our hotel at one of our suites there, which is incredibly more economic, so uh, as far as from a, a per turn e- unit economics perspective,
0: it's a work where to send them based on that. We're at time and I, I hate that we're at time because I'm sure we could keep going. Scott, Adam, we got about a minute left. Anything else we want to wrap here with Alex or maybe we can invite him back and get him to go even deeper the next time as well.
2: No, I I think we hit it. I I think we nailed it. I I will say, go back and listen to that definition of vacation rental versus short-term rental again. It's something that we've talked about. We we mentioned that with Rebecca on one of the discussions, and I think we landed on this broad uh, definition of urban versus vacation rental, but I think Alex's definition goes deeper. I don't think it changes this broad division of host versus professional vacation rental managers. But I do think it starts to add a second layer of definition that's important because you could almost argue that what those hosts are doing is actually the right business model in the short term rental space. You could almost argue that, yes, automate as much as possible. You should run this as efficient as possible. That's the exact opposite business model of what Alex is talking about, what Scott and I believe in, what we feel the future of this industry is. Vacation rental industry is a different model than what the short-term rental industry is. So that's very interesting. I I need to put some more thought into that, but I do think it's worth a pin. But love the discussion, Alex. Love our partnership. Super excited to to do all of these great things with you. I, I know that we've got some great things planned. This will definitely need to be a, a second episode at, at some point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We appreciate you, Alex. Let's got anything else to add in here before we let Alex go for today.
1: But no, I, I, I fell right where Adam did. And I think Alex just defined what we've been talking about. And, and that is what's the difference between a VRM and an STR. And and I think to Adam's point, I think we can look and say. Hey, the people that are just STRs, it's fine. Let them just be STRs and let them run their operation that way. But I think that Alex drew the delineation of here's the two business models. And again, as this is a guy that I listen to that always has something that's compelling. And 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 again, he's got broad experience. He's got probably the broadest experience in our industry. So when he talks, there's there's something to take away. So Appreciate Alex. He's been incredible. And to his his own words, kindred spirits, we truly are. We were connected from day one and got a lot of exciting things going. So I appreciate Alex's time and he's a definite return guest. I can tell you that.
0: Yeah. If we could get you back, Alex, we would super appreciate it. And if you've got some value out of this episode, hopefully you made it this far, no matter if you are a vacation rental manager or a host or short-term rental, whatever you are, I'm sure you learned something from this conversation. I'm sure you learned something from Alex and his background. So if you don't mind leaving us a review, that would help us a lot, five stars, and then we'll get back to uh, more content down the road. So thanks everybody for your time. We will put a bow on this one and we'll catch you on the next episode of our hospitality. Thanks so much.